would go, he never talked about this. We would have those wonderful debates, he would never talk about this. We didn't know what the hell he was talking about, actually. <laughs> His campaign was all lies, talked about energy. I thought, I said, you know, this guy actually, he's okay with energy. He wasn't okay with energy. He wants to put you all out of business. He's not okay with energy. He wants windmills, the windmills. The windmills that don't work when you need them. Joe Biden has had the most disastrous first month of any president in modern history. That's true. Already the Biden administration has proven that they are anti-jobs, anti-family, anti-borders, anti-energy, anti-women, and anti-science. In just one short month, we have gone from America first to America last. Well, thank you very much, and hello, CPAC. Do you miss me yet? Do you miss me? They would disagree, the public would hear it, the debate and discourse would take place, and then somebody would make a decision. You would win, you would lose, the public would make up its mind, but now there is no debate because they refuse to allow our side to even speak or be heard. They don't want debate because we have easy victories in a debate, very easy victories. It's called common sense, it's called other things, but it's called common sense, so they don't want a debate. The time has come to break up big tech monopolies and restore fair competition. Republicans, conservatives must open up our platforms and repeal Section 230 liability protection. refuses to act, then every state in the union where we have the votes, which is a lot of them, big tech giants like Twitter, Google, and Facebook should be punished with major sanctions whenever they silence conservative voices. DeSantis of Florida and in Texas and in other states are doing this. If they do what they're doing, Florida and that legislation will pass and Texas and others will have tremendous power to do what's right and what's fair. We have no time to waste. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in Congress are racing to pass a flagrantly, flagrantly unconstitutional attack on the First Amendment. Welcome back, Little Joe's Conservative Corner. Donald Trump can still get the crowd pumped up. That was a couple clips from CPAC. They really had a pretty productive four days. You had a lot of good speakers out there. Uh, obviously, they used Trump to finish it off because, I mean, hey, if anybody's going to close a deal, it's going to be him, right? Really getting everybody pumped up. He did call out a lot of Republicans that – turn their back on the party, turn their back on him at the end, people that need to be voted out. Uh, a lot of the names are ones that you've heard a thousand times. Cheney, Romney, Toomey, Ben Sass. These aren't like surprising names by any means whatsoever. 
and he wants to continue to drain the swamp. So he's looking to support new blood in the party. And a lot of these people that he called out, he'd like to get them voted out uh, going into 2022 and put some better candidates who actually have the interests of the American people at heart and are willing to stand in there when times get tough and fight to preserve this republic and its people. It was a pretty good four days. I tuned in and tuned out a little bit. Uh, I definitely watched all of Trump's speech. Everybody else, I caught bits and pieces. It's a lot to watch, and uh, I'm a family man. I can't be glued in front of the TV like that day after day watching everybody's speech. Overall, everything that I saw, they had a pretty good convention there. And in the very end, Trump did hint pretty openly about a possible 2024 run uh, after they did the polling for CPAC. It was a straw poll. Trump was the front runner for 2024, so we shall see. We're going to need him for another four years after this anyways because Joe has just been messing everything up since day one. It's amazing. It's only been six weeks. (laughs) Hasn't been long at all, and he is on a rampage. A story that came up that I wanted to talk about was in Breitbart. Um, Amazon stops streaming Clarence Thomas's documentary, Uh, during Black History Month. The Democratic Party always claims to be so anti-racist and uh, they act as if they do everything for the black community and it's almost like the black community couldn't survive without them, which is insulting in itself. But Clarence Thomas during Black History Month, I couldn't think of a better person to feature during Black History Month considering he is the only current black person on the Supreme Court, has been there for 30 years. In my opinion, he's a very good judge, and uh, he's one of the few willing to stand up to the mob, no matter what, to preserve and protect our Constitution and make sure we're abiding by the law. I don't think that's a problem personally. I think you'd want to feature a guy like this. Uh, He was born in Georgia. His father left his family when he was only two years old. His mother was a hard worker. She only got paid pennies. At that time, especially, uh, she had difficulty putting food on the table and was forced to rely on charity. After their family had a house fire, they were left homeless. Thomas and his younger brother were taken to live in Savannah with his maternal grandparents, where they regularly got three meals a day. Clarence Thomas really does embody the American dream. He came from absolutely nothing in a time much more difficult than we are currently living in today, And he made it all the way to the Supreme Court and has been on the Supreme Court for the last 30 years. And oh yeah, to get to the Supreme Court, he had to go through nasty Joe Biden, who really treated him like crap during the selection process. Now I would think if it's Black History Month, you'd really want to make him shine and give hope to these young children that no matter where you came from, look what can be achieved. Another one's Ben Carson. Look at how much they beat Ben Carson up. Ben Carson, again, came from nothing and ended up being a world-renowned brain surgeon and went on to work in urban development with the Trump administration. You would think these are people they would try to feature, but no, because they were either Trump supporters or they're conservatives, they got canceled. Just like Amazon canceled his book, and you have heard absolutely nothing about it. There's been no backlash, nothing. The left is completely silent because that's just how they roll. They're allowed to do it, you're not. 
you know, you got to wonder where you're living sometimes. Uh, the Hill reported that uh, they are planning on adding more fencing and a thousand more Capitol Police officers, costing the taxpayers, you're going to love this, for the thousand they're going to add, it's going to cost us a hundred million. That is fantastic because it's not like we're spending on stupid stuff anyways. I don't know what country we're living in where it's okay that we're keeping a barbed wired fence all around the Capitol as if we are under attack and you're adding more Capitol Police as well as we still have the National Guard up there. This doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense to me. I can't even begin. They're trying to put up an image They're trying to fool people. They want you to believe that conservatives are the problem and there's this big plot and scheme, this attack that's coming. Let me tell you something. There's nothing coming. Nobody's planning an attack. We've accepted where it's at. We've moved on. We're looking forward to the future. We're looking forward to preserving the country. Nobody's attacking the Capitol. Okay. Nancy knows that. Nancy actually knew that before the original so-called insurrection. Because when the Capitol Police Chief testified, they said that they warned everybody prior to the 6th. So they knew about this. So when did Nancy Pelosi know about it? It's all a shell game. It's all smoke and mirrors. They got to make you pay attention to one hand while they do something with the other. They don't want you to hear all the actual truth coming out. So they use misdirection and they get the news cycles going crazy on something else to totally distract you so you don't see what's actually going on. But I don't think that we should be wasting $100 million of taxpayer money after we're already going to waste $1.9 trillion of taxpayer money for this bullcrap COVID bill that only 9% of it actually goes towards COVID relief. On top of that, they still have funds available from the original COVID bill that haven't even been spent yet. So instead of depleting the first round of money down to nothing, no, we're just going to add more on to it. Then that's where it's going to get funky. Then money's going to disappear. And you're going to have a situation like you had where Obama's dropping uh, $450 million in cash off to terrorist nations in the middle of the night. So that's not going to end up too well for us. This COVID bill is such a sham. It is, it's sickening. And there's really not a whole lot we can do to stop it. Uh, I see that they are going to take the $15 an hour off the table as they should. And uh, I think there was another couple parts they were working on. We'll see what the Senate does with it because it's in the Senate right now. They're going to have at it, do their 20 hours of debate, send it back to the House. They'll review what the changes are. Then the House will repass it. Then it'll go back to the Senate. And then it'll go to Joe Biden's desk. And I'm sure they're going to sign it because it's their wish list. So no matter how much we can negotiate off of it, they're still going to get the majority of their wish list. And we're the ones that float the bill for it. Boy, when Trump said, do you miss me yet? Uh, Yeah, we do. Not only us, I've been seeing a lot of people on social media that voted for Biden that are all now saying, oh my God, what have I done? (laughs) It's like, yeah, now they miss him too. Uh, Another uh, article that I ran into from uh, DJHJ Media is Oklahoma passes a bill to block Biden's executive orders. 
Uh, and they, I guess this is this could potentially be the answer to Washington's tyranny right now. In the article, it said the Oklahoma House passed the bill, HB 1236, by a vote of 79 to 18, which would grant the state's attorney general and the state legislature the authority to review Biden's executive orders in order to determine valid constitutionality. But it's more than that. The bill authorizes the state legislature to recommend that the AG review any executive order, federal congressional action, or bureaucratic federal agency regulation in order to determine if the state should seek an exemption or simply declare it unconstitutional. If the AG or the state legislature, by concurrent resolution, deems the order unconstitutional, then all the state and local officials, including any publicly funded organizations, are barred from enforcing it. Oh yeah, I like that. Oklahoma's got something here, and they may be leading the way on something even bigger. We've been so worried about these ridiculous executive orders that in so many ways, so many of them are unconstitutional. It's ridiculous that he's even able to write them or sign them. And it's unfortunate that our presidency has really changed as of the past few decades where a lot of new laws are enacted through executive order instead of going through the actual process to do it legally. So what Oklahoma is going to end up doing is deciding whether it is constitutional or not and stopping him dead in his tracks if it's not. I like the idea, um, and I think a lot of other states will follow suit afterwards. It always is that way. You know, one does it and everybody else jumps on the train with them. It's like the one person finds the loophole and then everybody goes with it. The only downside to that that I could see is obviously you only have a president for four years. So when the new administration comes in, if you know we win this time and the opposing side, then they'll do the same thing. If let's say Trump was in house again and he's writing executive orders, they would end up doing the same thing to him where they would say it's unconstitutional in their state and end up doing the same thing by not following the executive orders. However, that is a small price to pay to save the republic. Because usually, if it's coming from a conservative or a libertarian, uh, our policies are not going to be radical. And since we are generally all constitutionalists and we all love the Bill of Rights, we're going to play within the rules. Unlike the left, who wants to recreate the rules as they go, And they would love nothing more than to put the Constitution and the Bill of Rights through a paper shredder so that way they can start over and do whatever it is that they want to do. Because that's just what they do. (laughs) You know, I ended up watching an interview that Glenn Beck did with Tulsi Gabbard. He had a little clip from that. Um, And if you've listened to my podcast for any length of time, you knew that when Tulsi Gabbard was the potential presidential front runner. I really wasn't worried about her because she really does seem to be a moderate Democrat, maybe even a little bit right leaning. So she didn't scare me. Anyways, he interviewed her and they went over, you know, a bunch of different topics. But one of them that they hit on was Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, when the whole, like I said, supposed insurrection was going on, was calling out 
prior to that, a lot of the military saying that there's a lot of uh, white supremacists and racism and everything in the military, and they wanted to beat our military down. And Glenn ended up asking her that question, and I'd like you to hear a response, so I'm going to play that clip for you right now. You asked if in the military I had, I had experienced being surrounded by white supremacists or quote-unquote extremists, whatever that means, and the answer to that question is no. Never. I've served now for almost 18 years, and from basic training in Fort Jackson, South Carolina, back in, in uh, 2003, I've served at, at a number of military bases across the country in Oklahoma and, and Texas and Pennsylvania and in South Carolina, many different bases. I've been deployed twice to the Middle East, worked with troops from across our military, and in my experience... It, it has been a representation of Americans from all different backgrounds, yeah. um, different political ideologies, uh, different views on things. But, but as you said in your opening, when it came right down to it, when it was time to execute that mission, it's, it's Team America. Now, here's somebody who's on the left who is very confident speaking to Glenn Beck that there is absolutely none of that going on in the military and that they all see it as Team America. I couldn't agree more. I only imagine how these men and women feel when the commander-in-chief is calling them out, calling the majority of them racists. But yet, look who the first ones that they called were to surround the White House in fear of additional attacks. Of course, they called the military. All those supposed racists protecting Joe Biden, who is a known racist, in the White House from the dangerous people on the right. What a joke. You know that they did get some intel also that Antifa was going to be part of it. This is all coming out in the trial. This is not hard to find. This information is easy to find. Uh, They don't want to admit that. Again, a lot of these things that are coming out, all of a sudden we're having all these crazy things happen in the news to distract you so that way you're not paying attention to all this information coming out, which just shows them to be the hypocrites and liars that they truly are. It's a shame we should be proud of our military. These are people that are willing to do things that most Americans are not willing to do to protect the vast majority of us, which none of them even know. So they should always be honored Uh, and and looked at in a high regard because of what they do do for our country instead of being beaten up by their own commander-in-chief. Not that I'm going to spend any time really on this. This is just a little quick hit, but uh, Cuomo seems to just be getting deeper and deeper in, in hot water. I mean, he had a second aide come out now claiming sexual harassment, and his response is even better. He did, He said he was just being playful. Really? Sexual harassment's playful. You know what the problem is with sick people like that is that they don't even see what they're doing as a problem. They're either so cocky or so confident in what they're doing, uh, assuming that they'll never get told on and that they have the power to treat other people like that, that they don't even see anything wrong with it. But there is something wrong with it, and that's being proven right now. He's getting attacked. He's getting killed on both sides of the aisle right now. And that weak apology that he gave, if that's the best he's got, he's in deep, deep, deep trouble. He better come a lot harder than that because it ain't going to be good for him. 
Uh, on the way out, I'm going to play you one more clip of Donald Trump. Otherwise, if you like what you're hearing, uh, please tell some people about me. You can follow me on Parlor Joe Little, uh, Twitter at LJCONSERCRN, Clout Hub, Little Joe's CC, Gab, uh, Little Joe's Corner. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can get me on Gmail at L-J-C-O-N-S-E-R-C-R-N at gmail.com. God bless. Have a great Tuesday. But who knows? Who knows? I may even decide to beat them for a third time. Okay? Okay.